Well, good morning. Let's begin and pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the day and we've had the camp that, uh, that we've had so far. We're very grateful for all you've done for us already in the first half of the camp. And now as we enter the second half, we are even more expectant. Uh, give us expectant hearts. Give us uh, seeking hearts to be ready for what you'll speak. We know you want to speak. We know that you are faithful to your word. We know that the Holy Spirit is here in us and among us. And we want to thank you for the mission day we had yesterday for these, uh, these great servants of God that we have among us here at the camp. And we thank you for all these tremendous servants of God that we have uh, here with us this morning and in the various services going on right now across the campground. And we ask that you would just move in our hearts. All, all, all we have is you. And we acknowledge this morning there is not a single thing we can do apart from you. Even this very Bible study, um, this very time together is nothing that we can do or produce or cause to happen. It is only by the Spirit. And so um, as the Hebrew writer said, there is therefore a rest for the people of God and we want to be diligent to enter that rest and let you just work in through us today. Thank you. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm just, you know, I'm the dad. I can't help but brag on my son. So uh, um, there, there, he, he reported, I'll show you tomorrow a picture of the ship that he's on. If some of you are fans of the military, um, the Coast Guard has a ship. I'll show it to you tomorrow. Um, they actually captured it from the Germans in World War II. Um, it's called the Bark Eagle. And uh, it's, it's a tall ship. It's, it's the sailing ship. Um, it's, it's very kind of this uh, iconic ship of the Coast Guard. That's what they, they do their training on to learn. You know, the, the phrase learn the ropes, that, that came from sailing. And uh, so he's out there learning the ropes this week about, about sailing and, uh, sh you know, seamanship out there on the, on the Eagle all week this week on the Bark Eagle. Um, they're, they're several hundred miles out to sea right now. And uh, this was him reporting onto the boat. And so tomorrow we'll show you a picture of the ship. But yeah, thanks for your indulgence. Thanks for your indulgence. So uh, we'll go ahead with our presentation. And uh, we're turning um, now this morning for the rest of our time, we're going to the second part of the chapter beginning at verse 12. And from this point on, we are talking about the body of Christ. And that's not a separate subject from what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit Paul addresses in the first part of the chapter. So, you know, really the weight of this chapter is tilted towards him now talking about the body of Christ. And that, that should say something to us theologically. Theologically, that should communicate to us the same thing that he's been saying is that the focus is not on the gifts. The focus is on the, the gift is what he wants to do through us for the body. Right? So, the, you know, he only spends about 11 verses actually talking about gifts and then he spends the weight of the chapter, the majority talking about this, how the body of Christ is, is knit together. So it's a great truth, uh, really helpful, and I'm growing in my understanding still here uh, about the body of Christ. So just a quick review for those just joining us. The reason he's even talking about all this is because they got off focus. That never happens, does it? Right? They got off focus in their lives and they got so caught up in, that never happens to us, they got so caught up in something besides him. And in the case of this church, there was a group of people that really kind of got emphasizing the gift of languages or speaking in tongues, whatever you want to say. And they started using that as the measuring stick 
of how spiritual you are. How spiritual are you? Well, can you speak in tongues? Yes, oh, you're good. No, that's not my, oh, then you're, you're kind of down here. And so this became very, Corinth was a very cliquish church. That never happens, does it? Corinth was a very cliquish, very kind of a uh, popularity church. There was a lot of different things going on in the church about who's popular and who's not and groups and all these factions, very divided church. So Paul writes this letter trying to point him back to Jesus as the answer. And then especially now in chapters 12 through 14, he addresses this subject head on about these gifts of the Spirit. And so far what he said is, a few things. First of all, he said, he must be our focus, not the gift. Focus on the giver, not the gift. Second of all, um, he is the one who is sourcing it, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about what gift you have because it's not yours anyway, amen? It is him working in and through you. We're just the vessels. We're just the conduits, the, the spigot, if you will, uh, for him to work through. We are the earthen vessels that contain the treasure. So get all wrapped up in him, get enamored in him, and just be available for whatever he wants to do in my life. And then thirdly, he's saying that because it's him and because this is all him working, there's a variety. Again, we all have the same fruit, Galatians 5, same fruit of the Spirit should be recognizable in every believer to, to, grow, to some, very, you know, growing. We're all growing in those things, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We're all growing in those things, but all of us have these different ways that he's working through us in the body of Christ. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. Here on the campground this week, it's an awesome thing that there are so many. I'm always amazed at that. We see the variety of the gifts of the Spirit, don't we, here at the camp and in your church, and in your family even, right? Isn't it amazing even within your family, there's these different giftings? How many of you are thankful for a spouse that Jesus has gifted in a different way than you, right? Wow, what would I do? It's amazing how God then knits that together into oneness. And that's our church, and that's the beauty of this body. And so now, beginning in verse 12, <clears throat> he's gonna enter into this discussion about the body. So let's look at a little bit of an outline of what that looks like and uh, that'll kind of tell us where we're going for the rest of our time uh, for now through Sunday morning. So this morning, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at verses 12 and 13. So verse 12, he gives this summary statement about the body of Christ. Just an overall, very basic, clear, concise summary. This is what the body of Christ is like, all about. Then verse 13, he explains what he just said. I like Paul. I like Paul. I like how he like he repeats things a lot, right? And he is always explaining things really clearly. And sometimes when you're seen in a scripture and he's got some run-on sentence, all he's doing really is trying to elaborate. He gets excited, you know? He's elaborate, kind of like Gary Cockrell, you know, last night. He gets, he gets excited and he's elaborating on, what he, on this main idea. So all, you know, verse 13, he elaborates on what he said, the summary in verse 12. Then you've got two parts about the body that he's going to go into. On uh, uh, tomorrow morning, we'll talk about the first one, verses 14 through 19. Each member of the body is important. I know you believe that. Each single member of the body matters. Anybody watch VeggieTales? How many of you watch VeggieTales? Does anybody remember? I, I think they changed them, but in, especially when it was under Big Idea and, and uh, Naraki and uh, those guys were doing that. Um, Larry the Cucumber would end with this statement at the end of every single VeggieTales episode. Anybody remember what it is? Remember, 
God made you special, and he loves you very much. That's right. Actually, um, Mike Nalraki, my daughter, went to Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville. And can you believe this? They had Mike Nalraki as a chapel speaker. This is great. And he actually did his Larry voice right there in chapel. And he, he, my daughter took a video of it. He, he, he said that, you know, remember, kids, God loves you special. He made you special. loves you very much. That was great. So anyway, tomorrow we'll talk about verses 14 through 19, that very message that you are needed in the body of Christ, right? God made you special. Each member matters. Then the second half of, the, of this section is verses 20 to 26. We'll talk about that on Friday and Saturday where we are one body though, okay? We're one body. So these two things are equally important. Each member matters, right? Each member matters, but don't get so wrapped in, up in being individual that we forget that there's one body. So we'll talk about that on Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we'll come back, verse 27, and he kind of brings the whole thing back into summary again in verse 27 and gives that, just that clear focus there in the end of the chapter. Okay, so that's kind of the outline of where we're going. But today, I'd like to just begin by looking at verses 12 and 13, this summary statement uh, about the body of Christ in verses 12 and 13. For... For, right, this is a continuation of what we've been saying about the gifts. For, as the body is one and has many members, there you see the two components we just said, right? Many members, one body. As the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So one, one thing I'd like to point out about this summary statement that I appreciate so much is notice that in verse 12 and 13 he makes this very clear idea and then he does what every, he does what our, um, what our English teachers taught us to do or our speech teachers taught us to do. He says it at the beginning and he says it again in verse 27. Notice, if you'll just scan down to verse 27 really quick, you'll see that he's basically saying the same point over and over again. He really wants this very clear, important statement to get through. These two components we're talking about. We are many members, thank God for that, we're not cookie cutters. We're not cookie cutters. We want every believer to have the same fruit, but we want to let every believer have Jesus work through them in a, in a unique way. One thing I loved about when our brother shared um, yesterday morning in the, uh, in the mission service at 1030 is he talked about how sometimes we kind of have, there, there can be kind of a cookie cutter mentality about ministry. And I just loved um, his sharing about how finally there was this kind of clarity from some people. You don't have to go to seminary to be a missionary. Anybody want to say amen to that? All right. God can use you as an accountant in, or God can use you as a construction or as a teacher or a nurse or whatever. It's not this cookie cutter that Jesus can work through you in some unique way in the way he's fashioned you. That's an awesome, and that's, Paul would say amen to that. We are one body, but yet these many members. And he's just, he wants them to be really clear. And the reason he's being so emphatic about it is because they were being so emphatic about their cookie cutter mentality. 
they were so clearly saying, no, no, no. If you want to be spiritual, you have to have this gift. You have to look this way or else you're not really spiritual. So that's why you're wondering, why is he being so, you know, why is he being so picky about this? Why is he saying it so many times? Because you know good and well, like me, when we get stuck in our rut, we need to hear it a lot. And so that's why he's, he's doing it that way. And so again, I love this. This is, my, this is the basic structure of your thesis or your speech. Remember the speech teacher slit? You know, like it's like a hamburger, right? You got the bun and then the meat and then the bun. Uh, you know, it's got the sandwich. So the, the top part is the introduction. The bottom part is the conclusion. You're restating. And then you got the meat of, you guys remember this, right? Some of you forgot. Okay, so you got the meat of your thing in the paper. So all that, all that to say, this is, this is, he's saying at the beginning, the introduction, he's saying it at the end, the conclusion, and he just wants to be super, like, abundantly, unmistakably clear about it. And I really appreciate that. I don't know about you, I, I need it simple. Anybody else need it simple? Any, how about this? Does anybody here this morning prefer complex? Anybody vote for complex? So you all vote for simple, right? We all vote for simple. I like it clear. I want to walk away and say, okay, I, I, I can get that. I can get that. I mean, yeah, you want to impress me with all kinds of knowledge or whatever, Paul, that's fine. But I'd rather walk away knowing what, exactly what you're saying. And so he says, I want to be really clear. And I appreciate that about, that, about that about him because I appreciate that about God. I appreciate the fact that Paul, as the instrument, as the conduit, for God to speak through, I appreciate this morning, and I'm very thankful, I know you are, that God, God wants to speak to us this morning, right? Isn't that great? We come into this tabernacle today, around these grounds, and it's not like we are here saying, God, please speak to us. And it's like God's sitting there going, oh, I'll think about it, you know. I love this morning that, we're, that God's saying, I'm speaking, will you please listen? <laughs> And God wants to speak to us, doesn't he? Isn't that, a great, isn't that great to know this morning? When I go to my church on Sunday morning, when I'm preaching, when I'm not preaching, isn't it great to know God has something he wants to say to us? I come to the service at, at, a nine, at 10.30 this morning saying, God has something he wants to say to me, so I'm going to come with that posture of readiness. God has something he wants to speak. I mean, do, really, do, do we think that, that God is just... that? Do we think that God isn't going to speak? Do we think God doesn't want to speak? Do we think that this is just kind of um, just a throwaway experience today at camp? I don't believe that, do you? Isn't it true this morning God wants to speak to me today? They say, well, John, God spoke to me yesterday, so he's not going to speak to me today. Oh, what? God's here to speak to us today. So wouldn't it be something, I, I encourage this all the time, wouldn't it be something to come with that attitude at my church? or even here to camp, right? Do you have the attitude and the approach that I'm ready for God to speak? You know, like I, I call it active listening. You know what I mean? You know how there's like, you're listening, but you're not really listening? You ever do that? You know how like somebody's talking to you and you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know how to go, uh-huh, and nod your head enough, but you're really thinking about what you're going to say next, or you're thinking about something else, uh-huh, uh-huh, when are they going to get done, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then there's this active listening where the person knows that you're there, you're taking in everything they're saying, you're listening, you're taking notes, you're just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here, I want to hear you. Wouldn't be something to be like that in here and at your church at home. 
I'm going to come. I'm going to seek. I'm going to worship. I'm bringing my Bible. I'm going to take notes. And I like to always throw this in. I might be radical and move up one row. Yes. You know what I mean? If God wants to speak, that's my attitude. I want to hear. I'm not just here to Thank you for speaking, God. My wife really needs that. Thank you for speaking, God. I hope the youth are listening. Thank you, God. I wish so-and-so would have been here for that today. You know, no, God, you're, you're speaking. I want to hear. So God is speaking, and he wants to speak to what? He's not selective. God's not saying God doesn't have these target audiences. The, the amazing thing to me, I'm, I'm going on too long, Tab. The amazing thing to me about the word of God is that I've seen it hundreds of times in these 30 years the word of God, the Holy Spirit takes the word and he somehow in a miracle speaks to everybody. God doesn't have these target audiences, you know. There's the congregation, God's targeting this, you know, target acquired. God has targeted these certain segment of the, of the congregation this morning and I'm going, I'm not the target tonight. You know, I'm out, I'm out, I've made it through another one, right? God wants to speak to everybody. He's not selective. He's not elite. Some of the cults in, in, in the, that Paul was dealing with, like the Gnostics, believe that, you know, you've got to, you know, we're elite. We're the, there is no elite. We're just all people that need Jesus this morning on this grounds. God wants to speak to everybody. I'm really thankful. Titus 2.11, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Amen? He wants to speak to us. God is desperately trying to speak to everybody. So, how do I understand what he's saying? If God is speaking, how do I understand what he's saying? The key is, you've got to respond to the light you have to understand what he wants to say next. You want to keep getting more light from God? Anybody? You want, you want, want more light? want God to speak more than say yes to what you know because God doesn't skip truth you know sometimes you wish God would skip truth okay God I hear what you're saying not sure if I'm ready to respond to that so how about if we go on to the next thing and come back to that but notice what God does. He always brings you back to the same thing he's been talking to you about. If there's something in my life that God's been addressing and I haven't yet surrendered on that or let him do something in that or responded on that, you, you, ever, you ever had this? God keeps going back to this. He won't let off on it. No skipping ahead. No putting it, you know, no tabling it. He always comes back to that same thing. And I'm never going to go on in my spiritual life until I give in on that, Right? So if I want more truth, it's very simple. Just keep saying yes to the light you have. And God has this amazing way of you say yes, and he gives you more, and you say yes to that, and he gives you more, and you say yes to that, and he gives you more, say yes to that, he gives you more. Can you see how Christian growth takes place? That's sanctification. That's the progressive sanctification. That's the ongoing sanctification is that I keep saying yes and I keep growing and my heart's right. I was entirely sanctified. My heart's right, but he keeps changing me from, you know, Oswald Chambers. He takes what he's worked in and he works it out. And that's, you keep responding, 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 every service, responding to the light I have. And this is amazing thing. So my question to us this morning is, are we? Are we? Am I saying yes to the light I have? Am I responding to the light that God has given me at this very moment? Am I open to that? 
Hearing comes from responding. So God's so great, he won't let you miss it. I just love this about God. God is so faithful that you say, well, I, 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 sometimes I get distracted, anybody? Sometimes I, I, you know, sometimes I'm not paying attention. It's okay. God knows how to get through to us. Some of us, it takes more to get through than others, right? <laughs> like me. But God's so good, he keeps coming back. My favorite illustration of this is Balaam. You know, Balaam, Numbers chapter 22. Oh, Balaam, Balaam wasn't paying attention to God very well. God didn't want him to go to Moab, kind of get in with, the, with uh, the Balak, the Moabite king in Numbers 22. God was saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, Balaam. So Balaam said, eh, I think I will anyway. You ever done that? I think I will anyway. So he's ran on his donkey down the road towards Moab, and the angel of the Lord, which some theologians would say is God himself, the angel of the Lord is standing in the road while Balaam's going down the road on his donkey, riding along, and the angel of the Lord, maybe God, is standing in the road going, hello, Balaam. Oh. And Balaam's just so into his thing and so distracted, which I have been often. He's so into his thing and so distracted, he's not seeing. But the donkey did. So the donkey doesn't want to go any farther. He's going, what? And so he starts beating on his donkey. <laughs> so then he goes again, and God says, let's try this again. So this happens three times. God stands in the way. Hello, Balaam. Balaam. Oh, yo, Balaam. So again, Balaam's into his thing, distracted. Donkey doesn't want to go any further. Smack, smack, smack. So let's try it again, going down the road. God's, oh, Balaam, right? So finally, God's going, okay, we got to try something. Balaam's not getting this, just like John. Balaam's not getting this sometimes, just like John misses it. So this time, let's have the donkey talk to him, all right? Let's see if that gets through. So then that doesn't work either. So finally, God himself speaks to him and says, oh, Balaam, are you getting it now? Can you hear me, right? Isn't it great that God loves us so much he won't let us miss it? Listen this morning. You don't have to worry about missing the will of God. All you have to worry about is saying no to the will of God. God is so faithful in his love for us and so faithful in his grace, he will find a way. He's a creative God. He will find a way, maybe through a donkey, he will find a way to get through to us. He loves us. He won't let us miss it. That's what the parables of Jesus we learn. You know, um, there's, Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 13 about a parable of a sower, and it's, it's a pretty cool parable, and I, I think you know all about that. And then the disciples ask this question in Matthew chapter 13, verse 13. The disciples go, Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus kind of gives them this answer in verses 12 and 13, and the suggestion seems to be in verses 12 and 13 of, of Matthew 13, the answer seems to be, I'm not trying to keep it a secret. The concept seems to be, especially with the Pharisees and, and everything, the concept seems to be that those who are responding are going to get more light, and those who aren't responding are going to become more blind, which is kind of true spiritually, right? Have you had any times, I, I remember a time, when, when you're into doing your own thing, you're not hearing from God, and the more you do your own thing, the less you can hear. It's like you get so wrapped up. But as I was saying before, the more you respond to him, the more you hear. And so again, the point is of all of this that God really wants to get through to us. So this 
I say all that to say this. This, this. this illustration that we're talking about, the body of Christ, is a mystery. People have written a lot of books on the body of Christ. But I tell you this morning, there's no way that we humanly can explain the body of Christ. Amen. It is a supernatural mystery, this whole illustration of the body of Christ. But even though it's a mystery, Paul wants to make some very clear, plain points about it in verses 12 and 13 in our chapter. Very plain. So one thing I want you to notice as we go look at those verses again, if you go back to Corinthians 12 and uh, verse 12, one thing I want you to notice is even though it's a mystery, even though it's something we can't explain, what I'd like you to notice is the simplicity of this illustration. There's something in what Paul says in this introductory statement in 12 and 13, and then in verse 27, that says this, this is, it's a mystery, but it's simple. It, again, it's a simple illustration like the parables. Notice how Paul, like Jesus, would use illustrations that everybody in their day could understand. I love Paul. I love Paul. Like uh, Corinthians 9, he uses athletic images, and you say, why did he do that? Because in ancient Corinth, Athletics were a big thing, you know, the, the Olympic Games and all that stuff. So I love how Paul uses stuff because, like, uh, when he was there on his second missionary journey, some of the Olympic Games were going on. Uh, Corinth actually had its own version of the Olympic Games called the Isthmian Games. There was the Athens Games and then the Isthmian Games in Corinth every two years. And, and I think, along with other people, Paul was actually there at that event, like one of the years he was there on his missionary journey. So I imagine Paul just walking around, right, kind of like the mission fair yesterday. I'm, I'm picturing Paul walking around at these athletic events. He's eating the cotton candy, eating those donuts, Diet Coke, maybe. You know, he's just kind of walking around, taking all this stuff in. Mm. And then he, he takes all that illustrations and he uses it. And so I love how Paul uses a simple illustration. You want to know what the church is like? It's, like? it's like, what could everybody understand? It's like a body. How about that? Everybody can understand a body. Everybody has one, so you can understand kind of, right? It's like a body. So it's a simple illustration. Notice, again, simplicity, that he just repeats certain terms over and over again. For just for fun sometime in your own time, count up in verse 12, 13, verse 27, or even in the whole section, how many times he uses the terms body, members, and then many, especially body, members, body, members. Again, just simple terms to get across this simple idea. Also, as we're talking about simplicity, in verse 12, when he's talking about this body, notice that all the verbs are in the present tense. Let's read that together, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is, also is the body of Christ. All those are present tense. And what he's getting at by that is this is just the way it is. This is just the facts, ma'am. To quote our friend Joe Friday, this is just the facts. This is just the way it is, folks. This is, this is just the simplicity of the way the body of Christ is. Just the body of Christ. I'm just giving you the bare facts. This is just simple, simple thing for us, us to understand. And then verse 13, he goes ahead and explains what he just said. So again, it's back to what we said earlier. God wants to speak to us. Paul's not trying to make this complex. He's trying to give these Corinthians who had a tendency to complicate things, 
the Gnostics and all the influences of their pagan culture tried to complicate everything. And Paul's trying to bring it in here and say, no, it's, it's not complicated. It's simple. It's simple. There's a couple verses that emphasize that to me, this simplicity thing. That the gospel message and the whole truth as it is in Jesus Christ, though it's deep and though it's complex, there's a simplicity. If you want to, you don't have to turn back to these, but let me just read for a second from Acts 2.46. You know, this is the early church and talking about after Pentecost, they, they gathered together as these believers daily and they shared their bread and they followed the apostles' teaching. And, and it says this in Acts 2.46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and, I think you know this, and simplicity of heart. Simplicity. I'm struck by that also in Paul's second letter to the, the Corinthians there. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul writes to them to the same church and he says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the, this is King James, from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Simplicity. I'm really struck by that in this, in this illustration in the whole concept that there is a, there is to be a simplicity about the God of Christ. Jesus preached simply, right? Isn't that amazing? Jesus did not have theological discussions with $10 words, right? You know, and half the people on the Sermon on the Mount are going, what did he say? How do you spell that? You know? Jesus talked constantly in this down-to-earth, isn't that cool? Isn't it neat that Jesus spoke to people, speaks to us where we are? I love that about him. The, the New Testament church, those guys are going around, Peter, James, Peter, Paul, all these disciples are going out and they're preaching this word and they're actually going to people where they are and the message is always just, it's not this complex, watch our theology here. I'll just impress you with our theology. No, they're taking this incredible deep truth and they're expressing it, right, all throughout the New Testament in these simple terms that anybody, the common man of their day could understand, right? Simplicity seen it over and over again. I, I, I'm wondering something today as we're on this subject. Does anybody think we kind of need to get back to that? If we're going to reach our world, I'm talking about our world, like right here down the street or overseas. Doesn't there need to be something, though? We're not taking anything away from it, not, not taking away from the rich complexity of who God is in the gospel message, but the simplicity of the message. I just feel this increasing conviction as I read this and as I hear this, we need to get back to this simplicity of the message of Jesus Christ for our day. Something that people can understand, something that... You know, they, they taught us in preaching class or, you know, you should be preaching at a, at a grade seven, I think it was grade seven, does that sound right, Scott? They said a grade seven level. We, we should be able to preach and our message, it should be any seventh grader out there should go, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm talking about the simplicity 
that is in Jesus Christ. Um, I was struck by a song a number of years ago called, um, uh, the name of the song is Simple Pursuit by Passion. And uh, I don't know if you can see the lyrics, but the lyrics go like this, God take us back to the place we began, the simple pursuit of nothing but you. The innocence of a heart in your hands, God take us back, oh God, take us back to an unswerving faith in the power of your name, a heart beating for your kingdom to reign, a church that is known for your presence again, God take us back. Nothing and no one comes close to you. Nothing could ever come close. Nothing and no one. It's you and you only. Nothing could ever come close. A simple pursuit. <laughs> could you do that in us, God? And I'm convinced with all my heart that it, that's what reaches our youth and that's what's going to reach anybody out here and that's what's going to reach the people that we love and that we know. A simple pursuit of nothing but him. What would it take, as a matter of fact, what would it be like to just get back to the simple pursuit of his word? I could go off on this all day, you know, all right? But I, 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 I'm hungry we're hungry. I'm finding people everywhere are hungry for the word. You know what I'm talking about? There is a hunger for just the simplicity of going back to the preaching of God's word. We've tried all kinds of stuff, everybody, beloved. We've tried all kinds of stuff out there in our churches. All kinds of things to reach people. There's all kinds of preaching and teaching out here under the sun with a sincere effort or a sincere motive I don't judge the motive on that, a sincere motive that says we're trying to reach people. We want to reach people. And so if we're going to reach people, you know, we kind of seem to have the idea to maybe make it a lot more watered down or something, or kind of we have to give some fluffy kind of thing that makes everybody feel good or something like that. You know, when I was in seminary, you know what they told us? They, they just hammered this into us at seminary. When you go out there and preach, gentlemen, don't you use the Greek in your sermons. People aren't interested. They don't want to be preached at like that. I'm saying, I think, pe I think we're hungry. I think we're hungry, and I think people are starving for the truth and the simplicity I've determined in my life. Matter of fact, I have, these five, I, I have it inside my Bible. I have these five commandments of preaching, because remember, I need to be reminded a lot. And one of them, number one, is preach the word always. Number two is preach Christ, and I'll tell you the rest later. But preach the word. I don't want to do anything but preach the word. And by the way, I'm firmly believing that's what God uses to reach hearts and lives. I've seen it dozens of times, hundreds of times, all the way from adults to youth to people in, in mission situations. It's amazing. There is a power in God's word. The Holy Spirit is able to take that, that something in the word of God, the living. He takes the written word and the living word, and the living word comes through that written word and somehow miraculously speaks to the heart of people no matter where they are. And, and we need to get back to the simplicity of the word. I invite you in your life. Jesus, I just want to get back to the word. It's okay to read books. I'm, I'm not criticizing the Christian book industry. It's great. All kinds of good stuff out there. But listen, nothing can replace God's word in my life. We need to be, a, John Wesley said, I'm a, I'm a man of what? I want to be a person of the word. I urge us and invite us and just admonish us and call on us to be a people. We of all people ought to be that as holiness people. I'll just go off on this for one more second. You know, 
Don't tell anybody I said this. You know, our Baptist brothers know how to preach the word. They preach the word a lot. But you know what the truth of it is? If we really get into the word, us holiness people understand the message that's really in the word. And if we're going to be people that preach the word, that holiness message is just going to come flying right out of there, all right? So let's be a people that get into the word, amen? Simplicity of the word. Get back to simplicity of the word. Let's get back to this simplicity. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about... As, I'm not talking about being shallow. We're talking about deep, spirit-filled truth that brings life to our light, light to our lives and to other people. So we've already been talking about that, so I, I won't belabor it. But what would it mean to get back to this simplicity of the body of Christ? Anybody tired of methods? Anybody tired of programs? Anybody, I don't mean to criticize, anybody tired of plans, programs, strategies? I mean, we're everything under the sun we got to try to reach people when the truth of the matter is, the thing that reaches people is Jesus in the lives of people just like us. That's what reaches people. People that love Jesus and let Jesus just flow out of their lives. There's another overflowing bucket for anybody keeping score. Jesus overflowing out of people's lives, that's what touches people's lives and changes lives. Simplicity of the body of Christ. No, and I'm not, it's okay if there's a plan or a strategy. I'm not talking about we got to simplicity in Christ. Come on. Or one more thing, then we'll, we'll wrap it up this morning. Thank you for your patience with my uh, ranting. So this overflowing sourcing idea is what he's been getting at the whole letter. This idea, the whole letter long, he's been talking about this idea of supply. Um, if you go back to the Corinthians 6, 19, and I keep quoting that, but do you not don't know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. So he talks about this also back in chapter 2. You don't have to turn there, but back in chapter 2 as well is this message of this sourcing of the Holy Spirit um, working in and through you. Um, it is the Spirit that reveals the deep things of God. So constantly throughout this letter, he keeps pointing to this idea of being sourced. Let him be your supply. Let him flow through you. Let, it's not you, it's him. It's you're just the conduit. You're the temple. You're the vessel. Hey, in, in 2 Corinthians, you're the, you're the, um, we're the, the vessel, the earthen vessels, just constantly, constantly, constantly coming back to this idea over and over again. So here again in this passage, in this illustration, he says, oh, let's, Paul's always going, oh, another opportunity to talk about that. Let's talk about sourcing all over again. So verse 13 here, after he gives the summary statement in, 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 chapter, in chapter 12, verse 12, about the body, one, many members, one body, all that kind of stuff. He says, verse 13, for, oh, let, let me explain that now a little bit more in verse 13. So for, and now he gives all this idea of this sourcing again, that what we already talked about earlier this week in the chapter, this, it's all him through you. It's all his flow. It's all his supply. It's all his sourcing. He's the source facilitator and manager of all of that. So notice he says in verse 13, for all of this is by one spirit. All what we're talking about, the body of Christ, gifts of the spirit, it is all by one spirit. Um, literally in Christ, in the spirit. The word in there, preposition in, means literally the source or the location of something. So uh, again, a clear, very clear statement that he is the source of it. 
Not to mention the fact that also in verse 13, you've got two passive verbs. Two passive verbs, verse 13. We were all baptized. We are baptized into one spirit. And then down at the bottom of the verse, we are all made to drink. He's saying, just so y'all don't get the idea again that, that this is what we do. I want to remind you and remind you and remind you again. This is not what we do. It's what he does, and we're the recipients. You remember passive verbs? Active verb means the subject does it, boy hit the ball. Passive verb means boy got hit by the ball. You receive. You're receiving the action. So passive what he does. So again and again, the idea. And so I really like this phrase also. I'm very captivated by this phrase. We are made to drink of one spirit. Looked up that word in Greek. Most of the places in the New Testament, that phrase has to do with about giving water to drink, or back in chapter 3, verse 2, it even has to do with food. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. It's about feeding. It's about something, your provision, something you desperately need, something that's vital. The reason I put this picture here is because when I, uh, when I ran cross-country in high school and uh, during the summer, we would go run um, kind of during the middle of the day out in these trails out in the, in, the, in the park district, the forest preserve. And I tell you, man, some of those days, where you, ever, you ever run like out in the blistering heat, you know, it's just blistering heat and just, you know, killer hot. And, uh, you know, this group of high school guys, uh, uh, I'd show you a picture, but I was, I was wearing so little clothes back then, it, I wouldn't be very modest. But anyway, so these guys, we're just like, uh, we're running in our shorts and just the, you know, the, the bandana around our heads or whatever. It's just burning hot, running these trails, these guys. And then back at the, back at the parking lot was this like a, a water pump, maybe like a drink fountain like this. And we were just, you can't believe how we were like fighting to get that drink. <laughs> we we're desperate, desperate for that. And Paul's kind of painting that picture almost of this desperation, this need that we all have. The Christian life is about being dependent and humble and needy and being fed. If you're going to be a member of this body, it's going to be about somebody that's humble and desperate and needy. Are you today? Anybody humble, desperate, needy? Boy, again, that's the attitude of the seeking, isn't it? See how that goes together? That's the attitude of the person that comes in here to the service and says, you know, Lord, I really pray that you will speak to our youth tonight. And God, I certainly pray that you'll speak to my wife. And I certainly pray that, God, you'll bring other people that speak, you know, they speak to them. But God, there is nobody here this morning that's more needy than me. There's nobody more needy than me. And I am hungry and I am needy and I am desperate for you to take me back. You know, simple pursuit. God, take me back to an unswerving love, to a, the power of your name, a heart longing for your kingdom to reign. God, give me that simple pursuit of you in my own life. I'm hungry. See, the thing is, um, beloved, that, that's kind of what Jesus was saying all along, wasn't it? You remember these verses well, don't you? Disciples are, you know, disciples are kind of starting to think they're somebody by this point. They're kind of starting to get a little impressed with themselves. 
and they're asking him big theological questions. Hey, Jesus, I think we're catching on to this now. Let's talk some theology. Lord, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Let's talk about us. And you know this, Jesus calls the little child, sets him in the midst and says, most assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you'll be by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's the opposite of what the Corinthians were doing. It's all about us, look at us, we're elite. I think you know this morning along with me, there are no experts in the body of Christ. Right? None of us comes to the service at 9.30 this morning or at 7.30 tonight having arrived. Remember what Paul said? I mean, this is Paul. I mean, Paul's like my hero, right? Paul's like, Paul, man, this guy's like, The rest of us are here and he's there, right? I mean, Paul's Paul. And he says in Philippians 3, what? I have not yet attained. I've not yet arrived. But I do what? I I press on. I don't count myself to have apprehended. No experts in the body of Christ, right, everybody? So none of us, me especially, there's never a service, there's never a time in my life where I'm just kind of sitting back going, I got this one. Hope somebody else is listening. See, I desperately, we desperately need to surrender our pride and just be fed. I invite you this morning that we would get back to the simplicity that there is in Christ Jesus and God would give us a simple desire to hunger for him and be desperate for him. And would you this morning, please, would you this morning, could I ask you, would you this morning, please, prayerfully, in your heart, come to the service this morning and come to the service tonight and lead this camp, lead this camp with an atmosphere of humble seeking and needing to be fed. And our God is faithful, isn't he? Let's get back to Jesus. Let's get back to Jesus, church. Let's get back to Jesus and the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. We thank you this morning for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you this morning that it's not complicated, complex. Thank you this morning that in the the sweetness of your spirit, you're here to talk to our own hearts today. And and I'm thankful too that um, just like old, uh, with old Balaam, so many times where I get distracted, but you don't let me miss it, and you come back, and yet even with your grace, your graciousness, your mercy, you, you speak to us. And so may today, Lord, may we respond to the light we have. May you just make us people that just run, as, as you said, Jesus, in John 3, um, that we may come to the light, run to the light today for whatever you want to do next. We're not waiting back for you. We're, we're going to step out in the aisle and raise our hands high and say, here we are. And, and I would just want to pray for our our body here this week, for our churches back home, for our Christian lives, that Jesus, you would take us back to that simplicity that's in Christ Jesus and uh, be our supply today. So all throughout this grounds, may there be the fragrance and the atmosphere of Christ in everything that's said and done. 
And we sure love you today. You're good to us. You're good all the time. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. We'll see you in a few minutes for service.